Voices for Justice is a podcast that uses adult language and discusses sensitive and potentially triggering topics, including violence, abuse, and murder. This podcast may not be appropriate for younger audiences. All parties are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Some names have been changed or omitted per their request or for safety purposes. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Sarah Turney, and this is Voices for Justice. Today, I am discussing the case of missing five-year-old Summer Moon Utah Wells. Summer Wells went missing from her home in Rogersville, Tennessee on June 15, 2021. Summer's mother, Candace, says that Summer went down into their basement to play, and when she went to check on her just a few minutes later, she was gone. I actually covered Summer's case on the Voices for Justice Patreon in a minisode not long after she went missing. But since then, a lot more information has come out, and Summer's parents have become much more vocal about the case. So since Summer is still missing, I wanted to revisit the case and present it here on the main feed. This is the case of Summer Wells. Before she went missing, Summer Wells lived with her mother, Candace Bly, her father, Don Wells, and her three older brothers in a small community called Beach Creek. This is in Rogersville, Tennessee. Summer's maternal grandmother is also named Candace, but she goes by Candy. So for clarity's sake, I will be calling her Candy throughout this episode. Just remember that Candace is Summer's mom, and Candy is her maternal grandmother. Candy is very important to this story, because she lived on the property in a camper about 20 feet from the home at the time that Summer went missing. Now, let's talk about Rogersville for just a second. It's a very small town, with a population of just under 5,000 people in 2021. It's also very important to understand that the family lived in a very secluded area on several acres of land. It's hard to know exactly what Summer's home life was like, but I did find some background on her family that I think is worth mentioning. Summer's father, Don, has been in trouble with the law in the past. He has a variety of charges involving things like burglary and forgery. But what really stood out to me in relation to Summer was that Don Wells was arrested in October 2020. He was charged with domestic assault, possession of a handgun while under the influence, and unlawful possession of a weapon. The day after the incident, Summer's mother Candace filed for an order of protection against Don, stating, quote, He drinks and throws things. I'm very afraid of being hurt. He is abusive physically and mentally toward me. I am afraid for my children and myself. My mother fears he is going to hurt her because she is staying in her camper on the property. End quote. However, four days later at the hearing, Candace asked for all charges to be dismissed. In April 2021, he pled guilty to possession of a handgun while under the influence, but all other charges were dropped. Something I also thought was worth mentioning is that Summer isn't actually the only person to go missing in this family. Long before Summer was even born, in 2009, her maternal aunt, Rose Marie Bly, also went missing from Wisconsin. Her car was recovered five days later, but she remains missing to this day. However, investigators have stated that there is no evidence to link the two cases. Let's talk a little bit about what Summer is like. Again, we don't know a lot, 
but we do know that she loves dancing, singing, and all things related to Elsa, the movie Frozen, and especially Paw Patrol. Dawn has stated that she would ask him to twirl her around until his arm got too tired to keep going. But she also loved playing outside and in the dirt. Summer also has three older brothers that she spent a lot of time with, and according to her mother, she was not afraid to boss them around. According to Candace, before Summer went missing, she tried to shave her head to look more like her mother and brothers who all have shaved heads. However, in that same interview, Dawn Wells states that Candace shaved her head to make Summer feel better, not that it was shaved before. Take a listen for yourself. She was a tomboy. I shaved my head. She wanted to have her head shaved like me and the boys did. She tried to shave her head she tried in to the back and, and make it. Uh, I think you can see it in some of the pictures. And it was getting out of control. So she, we decided to shave her head off and let it grow back long. And she shaved her head to, to so she wouldn't feel bad. And, uh, but, but it didn't bother at this point. Now, this could have been a simple mistake or just a lapse in memory about whether or not Candace shaved her head before or after Summer did. But unfortunately, Summer's case will have quite a few inconsistencies. So I felt like I just needed to address this one as well. This point about Summer and her mother's head being shaved seems to come up a lot. I'm torn here. I think most people who have even just been around children know how many of them will try to cut their own hair at some point, especially kids around Summer's age. So I don't think it's hard to believe that Summer may have just cut her own hair and this caused them to shave it off because they couldn't salvage the haircut. However, we also know that Candace has reported Dawn for domestic violence. So I feel like we need to acknowledge that shaving someone's head can definitely be a sign of control. Again, I'm not sure if there's anything super groundbreaking here, but I do think it's worth acknowledging and considering. This episode of Voices for Justice is brought to you by June's Journey. I'm pretty sure everyone here loves a good mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. You get to step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. You engage your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. So what does that mean? Well, June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game. Essentially, you find hidden clues and uncover this mystery. But it's also more than that. You can customize your own luxurious estate island, you can join a detective club, and put your skills to the test in a detective league. I like that you can play totally alone, or if you want to play with other people, you can do that too. I find myself playing June's Journey in little breaks during the day, or most frequently at night before I go to bed. Whether you're craving a good mystery or just looking for an escape, I really do recommend June's Journey. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode of Voices for Justice is brought to you by Quince. The weather is getting warmer, which means it's time to put away all the sweaters and pants and say hello to shorts and t-shirts. I absolutely was looking to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and I went right back to Quince for that. I personally don't love trendy clothes that I have to replace every few months. I am looking to build my solid core collection of essentials. And with the huge selection at Quince, I can do that. 
They have premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from 30 bucks, washable silk tops, they have jewelry, and so much more. One thing I really love about Quince, too, is that they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. And they only use premium fabrics and finishes, so you're not cutting any corners when it comes to quality. I've really been trying to play with pairing casual with more upscale pieces. So recently I just matched a silk skirt with this black tee that I just love and fits really, really well. I think it came together pretty cute. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com justice for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot justice to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com justice. Now let's jump into the day that Summer went missing, Tuesday, June 15th, 2021. Don states that he was at work all day, installing drywall about an hour away in Jonesboro. According to a statement given by Candace to the Rogersville Review, that morning she took her mother Candy to the emergency room in Holston Valley about an hour away. This was for an issue Candy was having with her artificial knee. Summer joined Candy and Candace on this trip while the boys stayed at home. While Candy was getting medical attention, Candace took Summer to visit some friends in Kingsport about 45 minutes away. Candace has stated that she made this trip because the alternative was just to sit with Summer in their hot truck waiting for Candy. Eventually, Candace gets the call from Candy that she's ready to be picked up from the ER. At this time, the 15-year-old son of these friends asks if he can come along and Candace agrees. Because this boy is a minor, I won't be giving his name, and will only refer to him as the boy. Candace says she drove back to get candy. After that, they stopped by a smoke shop to grab cigarettes. Then they drove to a place called Hippie House, where Candace says she bought some cheap vapes. After that, they dropped off candy's prescription at Walgreens across town, where they'd have to wait about another 30 minutes for it to be filled. So, again, not wanting everyone to just sit in the hot truck, Candace and Candy take Summer and this boy to go swimming at Warrior's Path State Park. Candace actually posted a short video of their time there to her social media. In this video, you can see Summer just kind of jump around for the camera. I personally didn't find anything odd about it, but the boy claims that off-camera, Summer slipped on some rocks and went under the water, causing him to have to dive in after her. Candace has come out to say that this simply isn't true. She says that there were no rocks for her to slide on, and Summer was maybe under the water for 20 seconds while she was swimming. And I do think it's important to mention that the water seen in the video only goes up to about Summer's waist. So if Summer slipped under the water, unless something was holding her down, she would have just been able to stand up. Now, I've seen a lot of videos and articles focus on this whole water incident. But at the end of the day, it just becomes a he said, she said type of situation, which unfortunately, we will see a lot in this case. After going swimming at the park, the family and the boy picked up Candy's prescription, went to a Sonic restaurant for some slushies, and then to Priceless to get groceries. This is where you will see that popular photo of Summer asleep in the car with the milk. This actually comes from a video taken on their way home from the grocery store. This video has caused a lot of uproar in the media, causing many to theorize that Summer was actually dead in that video. Personally, that's just not what I see. 
but as always, I encourage you to take a look for yourself and come up with your own conclusion there. After going to the grocery store, they drop the boy off at his home and then go home themselves. Candace has said that this was around 2.30 p.m. According to Google Maps, it would have taken them just under an hour to get home depending on traffic. When they get home, possibly sometime around 3.15 or 3.30 p.m., Candace has her sons come out and help with the groceries. Not long after, Candace, Candy, and Summer all planted some flowers and cactus on their property. When they were done, they went back inside to wash their hands. After this, Summer asks her grandmother for some candy. Summer then says she wants to go inside and play with her brothers. Candace watches her walk into the kitchen where her brothers were watching TV, and she yells at them to keep an eye on her. According to Candace, the boys were kind of busy watching TV, being older brothers, and didn't want to play with Summer. So, Summer goes down into their basement. The basement is where Summer's room is, and it also acts as a playroom. While Summer goes into the house and down into the basement to play, Candace is helping her mother Candy with her knee brace. Two to five minutes later, Candace walks into the house, sees her sons still sitting there watching TV, and asks where Summer is. And the boys all say that she went downstairs to play with toys. First, Candace yells down the stairs for Summer. But when she gets no answer, she walks down into the basement. And Summer is gone. Here is Candace explaining in her own words. Me and my mother and her were planting flowers. And we went in after we got done washing our hands. And she got a piece of candy from Grandma. And she wanted to go back over and see her brothers. And I said, okay. And I walked her all the way over to the porch. And I watched her walk into the kitchen where the boys were watching TV. And I told the boys, I said, watch Summer. I'll be back. And within two minutes, I came back. And I asked the boys where their sister was. And they said, she went downstairs, Mom, to play with her toys in the playroom. I said, okay. And I yelled downstairs for her a couple times. And I didn't get no answer, which was unusual because usually she always answers me. And so I went down there to check, and she was nowhere in sight. She was just gone. Candace then immediately calls her husband, Don. Here is Don discussing the call and what happened next. I was at work and I got a frantic call from my wife and I said, hang up and call 911. And I called 911 and I come from work and drove home as fast as I possibly could and drove to the bottom of our property and I seen my boys here walking around and my neighbors all looking and searching and I knew right then that she was gone. But she don't never leave the property by, by herself anyway. Summer was reported missing to the Hawkins County Sheriff's Office at approximately 6.30 p.m. The 911 calls of Dawn and Candace reporting Summer missing have never been released. However, we do have a recording of the police dispatch for these calls, and we get some discrepancies. First, the dispatcher says that Summer is four years old, not five. This is a simple enough mistake. I really have a hard time believing that there's much here with this discrepancy. However, in this recording, we learn that someone, either Dawn or Candace, reported that Summer went missing while Candace went for a walk. 
which isn't a story Candace has ever told publicly. Take a listen for yourself. You're being around from 110, 110 Hill Road on the beach street. Should be the first residence on your ride. Reference to a missing four-year-old. The parents have called in and advised that the mother had went for a walk. Came home. Now they can't find her. They've been yelling for her. She's been gone for about 10 minutes now. When Candace was asked about this, she said that she doesn't go for walks because she's afraid of the bears, snakes, and coyotes around the property. But she doesn't ever explain where this idea of her going for a walk came from. It's totally possible that this was just another miscommunication, or a really bad game of telephone. Candace tells Dawn about Summer, Dawn calls 911, and maybe just said the wrong thing, saying that Candace went for a walk, maybe he just heard it wrong or interpreted it wrong. Or this may have come straight from Candace. Without a statement from the police or hearing these 911 calls, we just don't know. But again, it's not something I could overlook. Before the police arrive, Candace goes to a neighbor's house to ask if they'll help look for Summer. Then she sends her older boys to go down through the creek by their home. Candace has explained that this creek is only about an inch deep, but the boys go down with their walkie-talkie and a buck knife. Candace then takes her mother's truck to drive the road looking for Summer. While she's out looking, she sees that the police are going towards her house and follows them back there. Now, this is where we get another discrepancy. Don Wells has stated that he was at work about an hour away in Jonesboro when Candace called him. But Don told the Johnson City Press that he arrived before police did. The article reads, quote, He arrived before law enforcement but many of his neighbors were already searching the area around his home on Ben Hill Road, end quote. The article goes on to quote Dawn, quote, I was freaking out, and when I got home, I drove up to the property, and all my neighbors were combing the woods for her. I realized then and there that she was not there. I knew right then and there that she was gone. She would never leave there on her own. Somebody had taken her, end quote. To be fair, this area is very rural, and we don't have the exact time police responded to the call. But I do have to imagine that they got there in under an hour, if really not just in a few minutes. But again, there are just a lot of questions here. Close to 80 people came out to help search for Summer that day. This group consisted of volunteers, Churchill Rescue Squad, Hawkins County Rescue, Hawkins County EMA, Hawkins County EMS, Hawkins County E911, the Sheriff's Office, and Goshen Valley Volunteer Fire Department. It's important to note that the area surrounding Summer's home is very hard to navigate. There are hills and valleys along with a ton of trees and brush. There's also bears, snakes, and coyotes. Authorities have made several statements about how difficult the terrain was to search but they did search, and searched extensively. That night, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, or TBI for short, sent out an endangered child alert for summer. The next day, an official Amber Alert was issued. However, at this time, the police weren't sharing much information at all. As of June 17th, two days after summer went missing, officials had searched more than 680 acres of land. They also made it very clear that every person is a person of interest in this case, and everything is on the table. This is also the day that Don gave his first statement to the media, telling WJHL News, quote, 
we know that there's people praying all around the world for her safe return. So many people love her. She would never leave our hill. I think that someone snuck up on her and grabbed her. I don't think she's in the area, because the dog goes down the road and that's the end of the trail. But I don't know that for a fact. The way she just disappeared. She would never do that. End quote. Candace would later express frustration that not all of her neighbors were cooperating with the search. She told the Rogersville Review that several of her neighbors refused to let police search their land, or the buildings on their land. She also claims that investigators botched the search using dogs by not making her corral her own dogs on the property. She explains that they knew that she had several animals up there, and when they brought in their dogs, they were extremely distracted by her dogs. However, this does seem to contradict with what we just heard from Dawn. And Sheriff Ronnie Lawson states that the dogs were able to follow Summer's scent. They followed it from the basement door down to the road. The dogs had a pretty good trail a track for a little while, but then it disappeared. But they lost scent when they come to the road. And sometimes canines, they will lose the scent when it changes to a different type of where they maybe went from the gravel to the pavement. The sheriff also stated that although Don Wells states that a neighbor heard a scream that day, this claim is unfounded. He also goes on to debunk another one of Don's claims. Don told WVLT News that there is a huge drug problem in his neighborhood, going as far as to say that he would have to chase people away in the middle of the night. Here is what the sheriff has to say about this claim. I've heard rumors of, you know, there is maybe a drug dealer on that road, but it's just like anywhere. Ben Hill Road is no different than any other roads in, in Hawkins, Sullivan, or any other county as far as even Knox County. We all have drug problems, but no, that's not that problem. That's not correct it's either. It's like a hot spot. No, no, it's not a hot spot. I mean, it's a dead-end road, so there's very little traffic, if any. Overall, Candace has stated that she doesn't believe the police are doing everything they can for summer. She told the Rogersville Review, quote, It's like they don't even really care if they find her or not. That's what it seems to me, because we're poor, I guess. I guess if we had lots of money, they'd do better work, I guess. That's the way I look at it. End quote. This is a hard one for me. I don't think Candace is wrong. We know that children who come from lower-income households get less attention from police and the media. It's just a very sad fact. But I don't know if that was the case for Summer. They brought in a ton of agencies and she got a ton of media coverage. So again, we're back at the he said, she said. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of June 20th, the TBI received 137 tips related to summer. Agencies from Tennessee, Ohio, Virginia, Alabama, North Carolina, and Georgia assisted in searching about 2,400 acres. On June 23rd, investigators set up a roadblock to ask every single person about the day that summer disappeared. 
They also urged local residents to check their barns, crawl spaces, sheds, basically anywhere Summer might have gone into and hid. They also asked residents to review any surveillance from that day. Now, I know I always talk about how these communities rally around cases like this, but this community has really rallied around Summer's case. On this day, the Hawkins County Rescue Squad actually put out a notice saying that they were pausing all supply donations. This was due to an overwhelming amount of support. Basically, they did not have room for any more donations. But despite the community all coming together and the media covering Summer's case pretty extensively, authorities weren't able to conclude much in the first few days after Summer went missing. Leslie Erhardt, spokesperson for the TBI, told reporters, quote, Typically, in an investigation like this one, we have some idea of where the case is headed and what might have happened within a few days. In this situation, despite doing everything within our power and exploring all avenues, the circumstances leading to Summer's disappearance remain unclear. End quote. However, there is one large lead investigators are trying to nail down. They are looking for the driver of a 1998-2000 maroon or red Toyota Tacoma. This truck had a full bed ladder rack and white buckets in the truck bed. Authorities say this person is a potential witness who may have heard or seen something. They also want to make it very clear that this person is not a suspect. Almost two weeks after Summer went missing, on June 28th, Candace gave her first on-camera interview. This interview was with WKRN News 11 in Nashville. And here's what she had to say. I know she didn't walk away from this property by herself or off this yard. I feel in my heart that somebody has came up here and took her, has lured her away from here. It is worth noting that the TBI has said that Summer's family has been very cooperative with investigators. However, this statement hasn't done much to stop the speculation surrounding Dawn and Candace. Candace admits that the reason she waited so long to give that interview is because of how harsh the backlash against her and Dawn already was. Dawn Wells tells WKRN News 11 in Nashville, quote, There's always going to be haters, you know, and they're always going to be that way in this world. We'll just want to focus on the good friends and Christian people that are trying to help us and praying for us and praying for Summer. And we thank them from the bottom of our hearts. And that's the kind of people we try to relate with and socialize with. So we don't know anything about, you know, no red truck. Or we hardly know many of our neighbors. I mean, because we just try to be around good people. I mean, we do have good people in this area. We found out since this has all happened. I got some real good neighbors and good folks everywhere. End quote. Now, I really don't want to draw this out and make you wait for answers about Candace and Dawn. Candace has taken a polygraph test. This was right after Summer went missing. She says the police put her in a squad car and drove her down to the courthouse. But at that time, she was just too upset about the situation to take it. She says she was basically bawling her eyes out the entire time. So they decided to wait a few days and have her try again. According to Candace, at that time she passes the polygraph test. She also says that Dawn and Candy passed polygraph tests as well. She also states that her sons were spoken to by officials, and they told the same story she did. 
Basically, all they saw was Summer come into the house and go downstairs. I'm not saying this means Dawn, Candace, or Candy weren't involved in Summer's disappearance. We know that polygraph tests aren't that accurate, and they aren't even admissible in court. It's also important to mention that although the TBI has said that the family has been cooperative, they have also stated that they haven't ruled anyone out. On top of that, I think it's worth mentioning that the boy that was with Candace, Summer, and Candy that day has his doubts about the family's innocence. In an interview with Chris McDonough from The Interview Room, who has done some extensive interviews in this case, by the way, the boy makes some claims that I think are worth mentioning. First, he alludes to the fact that maybe Dawn wasn't at work that day. He says that while he was with the family, Dawn called Candace to discuss a man being on his property trying to hug the kids. Now, on the flip side, he also says that the boys may have been with Dawn at work. It's a little confusing, so take it for what you will. I also just want to add here that I imagine the police were able to confirm if Dawn was or was not at work that day. But they haven't made any public statements about this, so we just don't know for sure. The boy also discusses some things about Candace. He says that on the day that Summer went missing, Candace also picked up and drank one twisted tea. For those not familiar, this is an alcoholic beverage. Now, I definitely don't condone drinking and driving, but I'm not sure one alcoholic beverage led to Summer going missing. The boy also says that he went through Candace's phone and saw messages from a drug dealer that she later deleted. Again, not something I condone, but we don't know what was happening there. We don't know what type of drug it was or how often this happened. Personally, I think that there's a big difference between someone buying some weed and something like heroin. So I really don't know what to think of these alleged messages. Ultimately, the boy says that he thinks Summer's family might have done something to her. The reason I bring this up is because according to the boy, he was almost like family to them, and very much felt like a big brother to Summer. However, I do have to mention that Candace has refuted all of his claims. Again, we're back to he said, she said, but I felt like it was only fair to Summer to include it as the boy is one of the only people that was with Summer on the day that she went missing. It is also worth noting here that the boy says that he didn't find anything strange about Summer that day. So at this point, Summer is gone. They've done some pretty extensive searches to find her, and authorities are unsure of what happened. But Summer's family is certain that she was taken by someone. Honestly, in this case, my mind just kind of explodes into a million different possibilities of what could have happened to Summer. But before we get into the many questions I have about the case, let's take a closer look at the area around Summer's home. That way, we can better analyze these questions and possibilities. Several media outlets have released the exact location of Summer's home, so I was able to pull it up on Google Maps and take a look around to get a better understanding of the area. I also watched a video interview that Candace did that shows the house inside and out, all around, up and down the hill, everywhere. First, we need to remember that the house is positioned above the road on a hill. Around the house is grass and gravel until you hit the tree lines pretty quickly. There is also a creek surrounding the property. However, Candace says it's only about one inch deep. 
And again, this is a private area. This is a rural area. This is not really a public road. There's not a lot of people going up and down it. Now, before I go any further, I have to remind you guys that I was born and raised in the city of Phoenix, so please forgive me if I don't know technical terms for nature here. I literally just learned what a holler was, so bear with me. But basically to the south, there's a thick cluster of trees and a road. This road leads to what looks like a few houses, and then it's forest and mountains for quite some time. To the north is more trees, but also the 347 highway not too far away. There's also a cemetery and a few more houses surrounded by non-forested land. To the west is just a ton of forest for a really long time. And to the east, I found something pretty interesting. There are some trees to the east of the house, but then you run into a neighbor. When I zoomed into this house, I saw that in the driveway is not one, but two red vehicles. One definitely looks like an SUV, because the top is also red, but one is absolutely a truck. And what's even crazier is in the truck bed, there is something white in there. I mean, who knows when this Google Maps picture was taken, but this isn't something I could just ignore. I will post pictures of the vehicles I saw to the Voices for Justice social media accounts. Please take a look and tell me what you think. Also, please do not send any hate to these neighbors. Again, we don't know when this picture was taken. We don't know if these vehicles are theirs. It's entirely possible that Google took the picture when there was a visitor on the property. Or even before whoever lives there now moved in. It's entirely possible that the truck isn't a Toyota. I really hope the police have already looked into this. But again, I just felt like I had to mention it because I don't see anyone else talking about it. It's also worth noting that Candace has stated that she can't think of anyone in the area with a red truck. But I'm telling you, it looks like a red truck to me. So what I determined from looking at the area surrounding the house besides the red truck is that if Summer wandered away, there's people to the north, east, and south. But to the west, it would be quite a trek before finding a house or business. Which, unfortunately, makes me feel like anything could have happened if Summer wandered away. You'd hope that if she ran into someone lost, they'd help her. But, unfortunately, we all know that's not what always happens. And even though it seems like Summer spent a lot of time outside and was really tough, she's still only 5 years old and 3 feet tall. This is also extremely rough terrain to navigate, filled with creatures that could hurt you. Another factor to consider is that Summer's home isn't off any major roads. So this being a crime of opportunity isn't incredibly likely in my opinion. It's not impossible, but there just isn't a lot of traffic driving by the home. However, it is important to note that according to an interview that Candace did with Chris McDonough from the interview room, there were actually some city workers close to the home the day Summer went missing and the few days prior. They were down the hill a bit closer to the road, clearing away some brush from the power lines. In this interview, Candace says she wonders if one of the workers might have taken her. She says the workers were basically on her property to complete this work. Candace doesn't mention exactly what time the city workers left the area, but it doesn't appear that they were still working around 6.30 when Summer was reported missing. Could one of these workers have been watching Summer and the family, waiting for an opportunity to take her? It's possible. 
So let's take a closer look at Dawn and Candace's theory that Summer was taken by someone. First, let's break down the logistics of where everyone on the property was and where the nearest road is. When Summer went down to the basement, her three older brothers were upstairs watching TV in the kitchen area. Now, you can access the basement from inside the house near this kitchen area or through an external door. Candace states that she and her mother were in the area between Candy's camper and the front door to the home. Dawn has stated that Candy's camper is about 20 feet from the house, so it's really close. You can actually see the basement door from Candy's camper. However, Candace says that they were facing away from the basement door, looking towards the front door when Summer went missing. So the bottom line is, everything is really close together. If Summer went upstairs and left the basement through the front door of her home, her three brothers, Candace and Candy, would have most likely seen her. But if Summer went through or was taken through the door in the basement, it's possible that no one would have seen. Another factor here is we don't know if the basement door was locked. Candace says that she just can't remember. But we do know that there was no sign of forced entry into the home. Either way, it seems more likely that if Summer was taken by someone or even left on her own accord, that happened by going through the basement door and not the front door to the house. Now, remember, we have a two to five minute window here between Summer going into the basement and being gone. It may seem like a short amount of time, but a lot can happen in a few minutes. We also know that the dogs tracked Summer's scent from the basement door down a small but steep hill, and her scent was lost at the road. So for this particular analysis, let's assume that this is the route that she was taken, as this is what Candace and Dawn believe. Now, I understand that Candace and Candy had their backs to the basement door, and they say that they didn't see anything. But how would Summer get out of the basement door, down the hill into the road, without them hearing anything? Again, we're talking 20 feet away from this door. In a video on the family's YouTube channel, Dawn states that although in the fall, the trail from the basement down to the road is very noisy with there being lots of dry leaves on the ground, he says that in June when summer went missing, it's very quiet. Now, I can see some of this logic. Obviously, dry leaves are going to make a lot of noise when you step on them. However, this is a pretty dense area. In the video that I saw from July, the path still had a lot of brush, and I could hear their footsteps in literally just the dirt. So although I'm sure this area is quieter without dried leaves, I'm not sure I believe that it was so quiet that Candace and Candy wouldn't hear something standing literally just yards away. Let's break this down. For someone to have taken Summer from the basement or near the house, possibly at the road down the hill, they would have had to have been walking or drove up silently. And again, this is just yards away from Candace and Candy. Now, it's possible that Summer could have just froze up when she was taken and went silent. But it's also very possible that she would have been kicking or screaming. Not to mention just the noise of walking, bumping up against the brush, and getting in and out of a vehicle if a vehicle was used. I do think it's pretty out of the question to think that someone entered the basement, drugged Summer, or somehow incapacitated her, and fled the scene in just a few minutes. Again, you guys know how I feel about theories in true crime. Almost anything is possible. 
but I do think it's pretty unlikely. Another thing I want to discuss in relation to the abduction theory is the dogs on the property. According to Candace, there were eight dogs on the property at this time. She says that they didn't bark much and weren't great watchdogs. One reporter at the Rogersville Review says that this is true. When they went to the property to speak with Candace, they were greeted in a friendly manner by the dogs. But when Candace interviewed with Chris McDonough from the interview room, there were some dogs barking and acting skittish around him. I do think that this is really hard to gauge. I also don't know if these were even the same dogs. Chris says that he saw at least 13 dogs on the property, five more than Candace says there were when Summer went missing. Now, as to who would have taken Summer, that's pretty unclear. We know that studies show that children are rarely taken by strangers. It's almost always someone they know. The only people Don and Candace have really ever alluded to possibly taking Summer is an unnamed child predator that lived eight minutes from their home, and one of these random drug users Don talks about. So, what happened to Summer? Could she have wandered off and been harmed by an animal, or just succumbed to the elements? Remember, Summer was five years old when she went missing, and this terrain is difficult for trained search teams to navigate. While I don't think Summer could have gotten super far before search teams came, it's not impossible to think that she either just went further than expected or wasn't found by the search teams. Stranger things have happened in these cases. Of course, we have to take into consideration the trail that was picked up by the dogs. Honestly, I do lean towards the idea that whatever happened to Summer happened through that basement door. But the question is, was Summer taken by a stranger, someone who knew her, or a member of the family? With the scent ending at that road, I don't think it's crazy to believe that she was taken in a vehicle. But again, my biggest thing with this case is how did Candy and Candace not hear anything? The road isn't that far down the hill. From the videos, it looks like it's just a couple yards. There just really seems to be something missing here. Is it possible that Candy and Candace weren't outside? Maybe they were in the trailer doing something and were just too afraid to tell police that, scared that they might be seen as negligent. Was the family in on it? Did, for some reason, Don come home early from work and do something to Summer? I mean, he told the media in at least one statement that he arrived before police. And we know that Candace told police she was afraid Don could hurt the kids. Maybe there was some type of tragic accident resulting in Summer's death. In the end, like most of these cases, we just don't know. On Sunday, June 27, 2021, officials announced that they received 650 tips about Summer. They also stated that the search for Summer has utilized over 120 agencies from six different states. This includes 1,150 searchers, with over 13,000 search hours logged. However, it was at the same time that they also made the decision to scale back these search efforts. All three of Candace and Don's sons were removed from their custody in June 2021. Candace told Fox News that the boys were removed for reasons not related to Summer's case. She also said that they were, quote, safer now. Don has stated that his house isn't a safe place right now, stating that people were showing up in the middle of the night. Recently, Candace and Don created their own YouTube channel to raise awareness for Summer's case. 
they also raised funds to get Summer's information on a local billboard. You can find this on their website, findsummerwells.com, along with a blog, more information about Summer's disappearance, and a list of their approved media sources. Through reading their blogs and listening to their interviews, it's pretty clear that Candace and Dawn still believe that Summer was abducted by someone. However, I do think it's important to note that Candace says the TBI doesn't believe Summer was abducted. She told the Rogersville Review, quote, I don't know, for some reason, TBI doesn't believe she was abducted. That's what don't make sense to me, because she's not here. She don't just disappear. I mean, I've seen movies where people just start vanishing off Earth but you know them are so fake. But somebody had to have taken her. That's the only conclusion I could come to. She had to have either, either somebody snuck into the basement, or she walked out the back. She'll come out of the basement and walk around the house to her swing. She always did that. She never wandered, ever, away from here. She's never went out of this yard at all. End quote. On September 23rd, 2021, the TBI released an update on the search for Summer. I'm Leslie Earhart with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. We thought we would take a few minutes to update you on the search for five-year-old Summer Wells. As you know, she was reported missing from her home on Ben Hill Road in Hawkins County on June 15th. Unfortunately, there are still more questions than answers, but we haven't given up, and we won't. Agents and detectives with the Hawkins County Sheriff's Office continue to work daily to determine what happened to Summer. We're still looking, we're still searching, we're still following pills. And one thing that we need to do is preserve the integrity of this case because we can't tell everything we're doing. We can't tell everything we know. And a lot of stuff that we get called on, we've already done several times. We want to urge you only to share information from official sources. The misinformation and speculation simply don't help the case. Our teams continue to sift through hundreds of tips and it turns out most of them are rooted in rumors and bad information spread on social media. That caused us confusion with all the tips that we get and we're going through. A lot of it is coming off of social media. And what we want to do is get more tips that we can rely on to help us find Summer. And that's our whole goal, is to find Summer. We appreciate your partnership and ongoing interest in the search for Summer. Please know, as much as you want answers, We want them more. We ask that you understand that our priority has to be figuring out what happened to her. And as Sheriff Lawson mentioned, in order to preserve the integrity of the case, that might mean we cannot share everything we know. Stay connected with TBI on social media for ongoing updates in this case as we are able to share them. This brings me right to our call to action. Just a few weeks before the release of this episode, the sheriff maintained that everyone is still a suspect in the disappearance of Summer Wells. He also stated that he is asking people in the area of Beach Creek to continue to look for any signs of Summer. In particular, the clothing she was wearing that day, a pink shirt and gray shorts. Authorities are also still looking for the owner of a 1998 to 2000 red Toyota pickup truck. This truck had a full bed ladder rack and white buckets in the truck bed. This vehicle was reported to be in the Beach Creek community near Ben Hill Road near Summer's home on the afternoon of June 14th or June 15th, 2021. The driver is not considered a suspect. I will have this information for you guys to share, and I do ask that you do share. 
there is now a reward of over $58,000 being offered in Summer's case. As a reminder, Summer Wells was last seen on June 15th, 2021 at her home in Rogersville, Tennessee. Summer is a five-year-old white female with very short blonde hair and blue eyes. She is approximately three feet tall and weighs 40 pounds. Anyone with information about Summer is urged to call 1-800-TBI-FIND. But as always, thank you, I love you, and I'll talk to you next time. Voices for Justice is hosted and produced by me, Sarah Turney. For more information about the podcast, to suggest a case, to see resources used for this episode, and to find out more about how to help the cases I discuss, visit VoicesForJusticePodcast.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review the show in your podcast player. It really does help more people find the podcast and these cases in need of justice.